each uh, each week uh, last year, uh, we engaged with our friends from Full SA um, and uh, had the opportunity uh, to hear a little bit around the rolling conversation between the church and the state. Uh, this week, we are joined by Daniela Elebeck. She is a, an attorney of the High Court of South Africa and serves as a parliamentary liaison. Uh, she's a graduate from Rhodes University and she's specialized in litigation. Uh, it's good to have her with us. Uh, and just so that you know, listeners, 4SA uh, is the Freedom of Religion South Africa. There are a legal advocacy organization which works to protect and promote your constitutional right to religious freedom in South Africa. Uh, this week, Daniela, if I understand correctly, we're going to be talking about the draft criminal law, sexual offenses and related matters amendment bill of 2022 known as the prostitution bill, which kind of keys you into the conversation that we're going to be having listeners, which was published um, last month on the 9th of December. And the bill proposes to amend South African law to fully decriminalize the system of prostitution. Uh, many religious leaders and other organizations have expressed serious reservations, concerns about the implication of this action. Um, but the time to make comments is short since the deadline is Tuesday the 31st of Jan. That's like next week, Tuesday. So, Daniela, maybe you can just uh, key us in and explain to us uh, what position is 4SA taking on this bill? Mark, I don't know if it's too late in January to say it, but Happy New Year. It's, it's the first too time late. You and I no, no, no. The ship has sailed on Happy New Year. <laughs> but Happy New Year to you All anyway. Right. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so, what position is 4SA taking on the prostitution bill? Because we are being asked this question quite a lot. So, after careful consideration of this bill, 4SA concluded that it doesn't impact the right to religious freedom, which is your right to live out your faith and talk about it publicly. Okay. And therefore, it falls beyond the scope of 4SA's mandate. Yes. Now, for this reason... 4SA as an organization won't be participating in the public comment process um, of this proposed bill or be taking up a position on the legal status of prostitution in South Africa and what it should be. However, while we have to honor the limitation of our mandate, because sure. 4SA's mandate is to only protect and promote religious freedom, yes. we, are, we are well aware that many members of the faith community are likely to hold strong views on something that affects morality like prostitution and how the law should respond to it. Now, one of the ways that Forza serves the faith community is by assisting them to engage with the public participation process. And I know you and I have spoken about it before, what that looks like. like I'm starting so to become legal, legalist. No, not legalistic. That's the wrong word. Um, I, I'm starting to understand the legal framework in South Africa in ways that I never understood it before. Um, I, I thought that uh, the legal framework in South Africa was basically looked a little bit like Ali McBeal or LA Law from when I was a kid. But I've discovered it's nothing like that at all. I've been watching. I've at been least watching. you didn't say suits. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I should have gone with suits because uh, uh, LA Law. Was a, was a little bit before my time. My parents really enjoyed that, but uh, yeah, uh, seats would probably be it. <laughs> but but I've actually been watching uh, you guys uh, on YouTube. A couple of cases last year, I, I watched for as they represent uh, kind of um, uh, the the uh, freedom of religion in South Africa. I I watched um, I watched a couple of court cases that you were involved in, and then I watched the processes that you guys. 
get involved with, <laughs> whether it be white papers, green papers, or other papers. Um, fascinating, very technical, as it turns out. Um, but I really have enjoying enjoyed getting to know how things work. And uh, you are right. Um, it would be a valuable contribution to the faith community if you kind of give us an idea of, well, maybe we can just start off with, in a nutshell, what is this bill all about? So, Mark, should this bill in its current form be adopted? So um, perhaps I want to preface this by saying that this bill is still with the Department of Justice. Okay. So for viewers who might want to know more about the legislative process, um, as Mark and I have just said, we've spoken about it before. Um, so I'm sure you can find that interview um, on the Radio Pulpit Facebook channel if you just scroll down. But basically, a bill normally starts off in a government department, and then there's a public comment process. The department looks at the public comments, they rework the bill as they deem fit, and then only does the bill go to parliament, and we get another invitation by parliament to comment on the bill. Mm. Now, this bill is still in front of the DOJ, um, but if the version of the bill, the way the DOJ has it at the moment, has to be adopted, Essentially, what will happen is that the selling and buying of sexual services by adults, which the law says is anyone over 18 years, yes. will become legal. So also, that means that related activities such as soliciting and advertising of sexual services, pimping, as well as keeping a brothel and living off the earnings of prostitution will all become legal. Now, in addition, the criminal records of people involved in prostitution, um, as far as their convictions concerned prostitution and these related activities, um, would also be expunged and all pending prostitution cases would be withdrawn. Now, the fact that this proposed bill is, or this bill proposes to fully decriminalize prostitution, Many are arguing flies directly in the face of the government's commitment to aim gender-based violence, GBV. Yes. And um, that it's a truly bizarre about face. Now, many listeners and viewers may recall that during the height of COVID pandemic, uh, the president was placing a major focus on ending GBV. Now, the reality is that most people involved in prostitution or prostituted people are socially economically marginalized women. So they come from um, a poor background and they are vulnerable, meaning that the system of prostitution sexually exploits vulnerable women and therefore is particularly a heinous form of GBV. And for this reason, for the government to propose legalizing prostitution or any form of sexual exploitation, many are seeing as being totally irreconcilable with commitment to in GBV. And then, of course, there's the whole sexual trafficking that feeds into it and all other related activities. So, for this reason, many are highly concerned about the legalization of prostitution. Mm. Uh, Daniela, I I'm fairly certain, having been watching the news for a number of years and watching headlines, that, that, that this has come around before. Um, there's been at least I think there has been previous legal action, uh, court judgments uh, in this area. Um, is, the, is the law in sync with all of that? So one of the main areas of concern with this bill is the infringement of fundamental human rights. So the rights enshrined by our constitution in the Constitution's Bill of Rights. Yeah. Now, 
in the landmark case of State versus Jordan, where the criminalization of prostitution was challenged in the Concord, um, far from supporting the decriminalization of prostitution, the court confirmed that criminalizing prostitution does not violate prostituted persons' right to human dignity, equality, privacy, freedom and security of person, freedom to engage in economic activity. So basically the Concord said, our highest court said that if the state chooses to criminalize prostitution, that doesn't violate the human rights of prostitutes. Significantly, the Concord also found that the act of prostitution itself commodifies the human body, which is at odds with inherent dignity the way the Constitution um, ascribes to. Now, in short, the Concord held that criminalizing prostitution is not unconstitutional and that the act of prostituting infringes the dignity of prostituted persons. Now, obviously, respecting the fact that we have three different branches of government, we've got the executive that enforces the law. Yes. Um, We have the legislature, parliament that makes the law, and we have the judiciary that interprets and applies the law. Yes. If parliament our elected representatives, the voice of the people, decide to decriminalize prostitution. The state will have to apply that and the courts will have to interpret the law according to that. So that has to be borne in mind that while the Concord has said that criminalizing prostitution is not unconstitutional, the parliament is free as the voice of the people to say, well, we actually want to decriminalize it. Hmm. So, I mean, just just then at a big picture in terms of our church, our church constitution, in terms of our country's constitution, when we think about that, um, is this law on the table as it, as it presently is, the complete and full dis- decriminalization of prostitution, um, is that in keeping with the framework of the South African constitution? So Mark, the constitution is clear that the laws that we pass should only be changed on the basis of sound public reasons. Now, so for example, um, in other words, those backed by the evidence of scientific research and prostituted persons' lived experiences in this country. Now, for us, a note with concern the existence of a growing body of scientific research, basically evidence and testimonies of people um, who have been prostituted that show that full decriminalization not only fails to address, but in fact, fact actually amplifies, it makes worse um, prostitution's ills. For this reason, so pardon, uh, for this, uh, for those who may be interested in more detail on this, there is an article on ForSA's website um, with links to research on this topic. Now, what is particularly concerning about this bill is that it, in fact, ignores one of the main recommendations coming out of the South African Law Reform Commission's um, report on adult prostitution in 2015, and I quote, the commission has concluded that changing the legislative framework, in other words, changing the law, could create an extremely dangerous cultural shift juxtaposed against the high number of sexual crimes already committed against women. Women would be considered even more expendable than at present, end quote. So that is very concerning. If that that was the result of the Law Reform Commission's research, that they concluded legalizing prostitution would actually make women more expendable and actually is juxtaposed with a high amount of sexual crimes. So think rape 
already committed against women, then it's very concerning that we have a, a law like this being proposed by um, a State Department. Help me, help me out here with something, uh, Daniela. The South African Law Reform Commission, is that a Chapter 9 or is that a, an NGO or PBO or, or how do, what, what, what kind of, how do they fit into the picture? So the Law Reform Commission's task is to look at South Africans' laws and see where they need to be updated, where they need to be changed, and so forth. So, for example, they also looked at what a possible single marriage act could look like mm. as a result of the fact of identifying the fact that South Africa's marriage laws actually need updating because not all marriages are legally recognized, which yes. is problematic. Um, so that's their job. They look at the laws in South Africa and see, okay, where do we have gaps? Where do we have holes? Where do we have laws that are no longer needed? Where do we have laws that need updating? And so forth. Okay, okay. okay can I play devil's advocate for just a moment? Um, uh, what are the alternatives to the full decriminalization of prostitution? I guess I'm playing devil's advocate to the state, not to you. But but what what, what alternatives are on the table? Uh, you know, uh, if they present this as the only option, um, surely there's other things that they can be thinking of. Well, one is obviously to leave, well, if one is obviously to leave the current law in place, under the full criminalization model, the whole system of prostitution is criminalized. So like we've said, you know, it's not just providing sexual services, it's the buying of sexual services, it's the keeping of a brothel, it's the pimping, everything involved is criminalized. Now, other important um, considerations would include stopping the demand for sexual services and providing socioeconomically marginalized persons with viable options to help them exit prostitution and or prevent them from entering the system um, of prostitution in the first place. So stopping the demand, the people who buy sex, and stopping um, the supply, the people who provide sex. Now, another alternative, which has been implemented internationally, excuse me, and is known as the Nordic or equality model, is partly decriminalized prostitution. The partial decriminalization model only decriminalizes the action of prostituted persons. In other words, the selling of sex as it sees them as victims of sexual exploitation. In um, other words, that their participation in prostitution is not actually a real choice. Okay. Uh, I, I have no doubt that there will be listeners, even kind of listening into this conversation, who have concerns about the prostitution bill uh, and who would like to make their opinions heard um, in this consultation process and uh, in the short period that remains. Um, where can they get involved? Mark, so if anyone wants to comment on this bill, and as we've said, the deadline is next week, Tuesday, the yes. 31st of Jan, um, 4SA urges those in the religious sector to participate meaningfully because, as we've said before, signing a, a petition doesn't help. Um, rather send in a legal submission. Now, if you want to participate meaningfully in the prostitution law reform process, you can constructively raise your religious views and concerns in the public square on matters of public importance such as this. And you can do that by delivering written submissions to the DOJ, the Department of Justice, by the 31st of January, such as by submitting comments via the DFSA platform. Now, for us on our homepage, even as a link as you land on it, um, it says, have your say, prostitution bill, you can click on it, take it to DSA and you can have your say there and that counts as a written submission to the DOJ. 
Now, if you wish to participate in whatever public hearings may be held, um, we also ask that you include this in your submission. Oh, that's excellent, Daniela. I've actually put the the link to the DSA platform uh, into the show notes. Uh, they're in the comments section on Facebook at the moment, and I've no doubt that they'll make it onto the podcast as well. Um, but time is short, so if you're listening in and you'd like to have your say on this particular issue, you actually need to act today. You can do that in one of two ways, just to underline what Daniela has said. You can go to the 4SA website, which is 4SA, that's F-O-R-S-A dot org dot Z-A. And on the 4SA uh, page, there is a link to the DSA um, uh, 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 section, um, or you can go straight to our webpage and uh, uh, to our show notes. And in the show notes, there's a link directly to DSA. Daniela, thank you so much. First interview of the year, um, a serious conversation, um, but I, I do thank you guys for the work that you do, both in speaking to government, uh, often on our behalf, and engaging within the legal system, um, but also um, propagating information uh, to the church in general. So really appreciate the work that you guys do. Thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure, Mark. Have a lovely day. <laughs> Cheers. God bless. Bye.